0: Welcome to Flowstars, candid conversations between Dr.
1: Peter O'Toole and the big hitters of flow cytometry. Brought to you by Beckman Coulter at Bite Size Bio.
0: Welcome to the very first episode of Flowstars, where we interview top names in flow cytometry to get to know them on a more personal level. This first interview is a double headliner with Tim Bushnell over from Rochester Medical Center and Alfonso Blanco from University College Dublin in this episode, we discover the importance of training
2: in a core facility. If you get people to understand how to use machine, they don't break them. Tips for writing up your thesis. I got out of the lab. I, I, I literally moved away from the lab so I could focus on, on the writing.
0: And the real reason Alfonso wanted to do a PhD in botany.
1: Because that will allow me to go as well outside the lab. To go outside climbing mountains or walking around and trying to pick up the plans for your analysis.
0: Hi, I'm Peter O'Toole and today I'm joined by Tim Bushnell and from Alfonso Blanco. Thank you. Hello both. Hey. Hi, Peter. Different time zones uh, (laughs) with Alfonso over in the Republic of Ireland, Tim over in the USA. So uh, this is a bit confusing time. I guess one of you is in a completely different time point of day. So, which one of you is drinking wine? Which one of you is having a cup of tea? Go I'll drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> you take my wine. <laughs> so, Guy, you know each other really well. Where did you first meet?
2: I was, uh, I was uh, over in uh, Dublin to give a training course with a company called FlowSite, and it had been sponsored by Accuri. So, uh, that was uh, the first time that the two of us met, and I think we hit it off then, and Ever since then, I've been causing antics around the world as much as we can. <laughs> and more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a memorable meet then. Very uh, true. Yeah. And uh, so to what it took, you must have been to Ireland more than once, Tim.
2: I think I've been to Ireland now, what, three times, Alfonso?
1: Yep. And uh, we tried to bring you a couple of times more, but not successfully. So just
2: stop by.
0: Does this explain <laughs> the, uh,
2: your, what, what is this exactly? On my time, I went over to the Guinness Brewing Store. I was there to find William Gossett's original journals to study about how he developed the t test. But while I was there, I had a couple of beers.
0: <laughs> so you got a Master's Brewer license. At that yeah, point. They,
2: they give them out to everybody. So it's, you know, it's...
0: And, you didn't, and yet... <laughs> you didn't offer to sort their yeast into different profiles so they could get different Guinnesses and different strains? <laughs>
2: they, weren't, they weren't too receptive to that.
0: Yeah, that would have been quite good, I think. (laughs) I I know, cell sorting use is a fairly yeah. Maybe not a thing that everyone wants to do on their own, (laughs) sorter.
1: So you've done a lot of work together since,
0: I believe.
2: Yeah,
1: that was uh, the first time that uh, team came here was for a training course that we organized. And then I was telling him I really like training. And then he recruited me as a flow site instructor and uh, we organized a training course in, in Lisbon with Rui Garner. And then we went together over there. He was um, my my main instructor. He was basically checking the least Alfonso can teach. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to teach, no clue. <laughs> so he was checking the, putting the tip boxes, uh, but it was a good time together. And since then we we have been working together all the time and just running, organizing courses, making mess and things like that so that's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> actually i'm just thinking how did you
0: how did you learn where were your skills picked up from of how to become a good trainer alfonso <laughs> i'm a good
1: trainer <laughs> <laughs> to, to i think the honest, first time we met might have been at york yeah that's true um but that was that was not a casualty to be honest peter um i was looking around because I like training. So I was looking around where is the best training courses. Um, so I, I realized that yours were super popular. So I went to your site to check. And I told you on the first day, I was honest with you. I want to go there to learn how you teach, to copy you. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I just copy you, your scheme, I, I, not just that also. And this is funny when, uh, when we are talking about trainings, every time that you train, even if it's the same material, you always learn from the others. It doesn't matter. It's the same as Somebody comes with some different point of view, with a different approach, with a different example, different way of of explaining, and it's what I really love of, of training with other people. So I really enjoy your training. You know, yeah, it's it's
0: unique, maybe, or maybe not so unique if you copied me. No, <laughs> I copied and I, I made my version <laughs> with jokes for for minute. <laughs> And what about yourself, Tim? Because obviously you do a huge amount of teaching as well.
2: Um, I probably have to credit back to the fact that I like to play in front of an audience. Um, In high school, I was involved in uh, debate, Model United Nations, uh, did that in college. As a grad student, I had to teach uh, for my supper, as it were, and it just is natural. And when I took over my first core facility, it became apparent that the training was the most important because if you get people to understand how to use a machine, they don't break them, and that's a huge life saver. And it's just you know continuing to learn, as Alfonso said, you know, learning from other people, learning from you know the community. We've got a you know has got a great community of teachers and educators. We all want to, and we all do, and you know we we put our different spins on it. But at the end of the day, we say the same thing. Um, it's just a matter of the the flamboyance of it, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting point. You mentioned the flamboyance of it.
0: You give the same talk. You know, if you're teaching, I, I, I know this, you give the same basics, at least, talk every time. And that's a lot of time given exactly the same script. I, I feel it's a bit like being in a the theatre. You have to do the same performance every time with the same enthusiasm. And mm-hmm. actually, to be fair, maybe it's not that hard because you look at the delegates and they're enthusiastic. So i become enthusiastic. Absolutely. Uh, wow. But, but you do have to be a performer to really get the engagement. Uh, which comes really actually to some pictures
1: Alfonso <laughs> sent to me. Uh, so tell us about this, Alfonso. That's a really funny story because um, I'm born in Seville. That's the south of Spain. Uh, that's where all the funny people is in Spain. And the accent is just for comedians, to be honest. They, they speak with a set, 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 set. And that's because my parents, um, they were working and they were living there for many years. But my family is from the north side. Uh, from Galicia so we moved when I was seven back to Vigo my hometown and in fact I, I consider myself from Galicia uh, and this the accent is completely different it's always they go like that talking like that kind of Irish <laughs> so, <in> fact, <laughs> so um, when I arrived to school it was not an easy time also because the color of my skin I'm really dark uh, and in the south it was a lot of Sun I arrived there with the dark, dark skin, and everyone was looking at me with my um, surname Blanco, which means white. And it's not matching, the white, <laughs> so the nickname is clear. I was Negro all the time. <laughs> so that was me. That was my my starting point. But now, I'm, uh, I'm not a good flamenco dancer. No, no. <laughs> Don't go well, that way. Well, well. So I, I
0: know you very well from the dance floors at Saito. Uh, I don't think I've got a picture of us, but I know you've got a picture of us. I have a picture of us. There's but, but <laughs> come on. Your, your dancing obviously went up a step. I and mean, this this is... What? Did, did you Explain. Uh-
1: That's uh, in Santiago de Compostela. Um, That's where I was studying and this is a tradition and in fact it was happening two days ago. Basically you put a big bonfire and it's good for cleaning up your bath spirits around you to jump over them and you have to jump at least three times. Of course I was jumping a lot, you can see in the, my runners, and that's because I was playing handball, so those are the handball runners. <laughs> I was, well, how long ago is this? This was uh, a lot. Um, I was 20 years, 22 years old at that and time. And you're still wearing the same I'm, shirt? I'm still wearing the same one. <laughs> I haven't, haven't grown up that much. <laughs> so, so, talking of dancing,
0: Tim... Uh, this is a, a picture of you up a pole. So is
2: this your equivalent of pole dancing? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, um, I was a boy scout and uh, took a trip to a uh, camp in uh film at, uh, somewhere New Mexico. And one of the challenges, I had different camps there. And one was a, a logging camp. And that was learning how to climb a pole doing spur climbing, which is just with a couple of uh, spikes in a belt. And kind of a little bit of conquering a fear going up a 50 foot pole by your, you know, at, to get to the top. and uh haven't done it since but did conquer it back then yeah
0: i, I, I don't envy that at
2: all uh, and this is your scout group is it yeah this is a, the group that i went with uh you'll recognize me because i don't have a beard at the de- at the time
0: um, <laughs> that doesn't help
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great trip i was i had earned my Eagle scout uh award the highest award in the u.s a couple of uh like six months before i went on that trip
0: getting back onto work a little bit so i'll, I'll start with yourself tim what have you found the most challenging time in your
2: career? Other than right now with COVID?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I think for me, the, the transitions from uh, college to grad school uh, and then finishing up my PhD were two of the more challenging times. Um, in grad school, I took on a lot of projects trying to to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, but eventually had to coalesce to one. and uh, came to a point where I needed to finish my finish, and so it was a lot of work going on. But I had a newborn baby and everything, so it was uh, that was a very challenging time, both scientifically and personally.
0: And so, when it came to finishing off your PhD, which I know some people watching today will be in a similar position or not, well, how how did you cope with that? What mechanisms did you put into place? What what would you what tips would you give to people in that position today?
2: Um, I eventually i. You know, the biggest one is I got out of the lab. I, I, I literally moved away from the lab so I could focus on, on the writing. Um, and I wasn't, you know, and, and that took a lot of effort because as a scientist, you want to be in the lab. And, you know, I'm a kind of guy who wants to be sitting there figuring out what the next thing is and, and, and going on in that direction. So you have to, you have to put a, a stop at it and separating yourself physically made, it, made that possible.
0: Yeah, I I actually I did a similar thing. I I actually had to buy a PC when PCs were not selling <laughs> everyone had at the time. Uh and yeah, it, it made a big difference working from home at that point. Which during lockdown, huh, gosh, what we all do now, isn't it? Well, some of us work at home, other of us working, I know somewhere out in space looking at uh, Tim's background.
2: <laughs> they talk about social isolation. I think I'm pretty isolated right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Certainly, out of this world team uh, Alfonso, what about yourself, most challenging time? Yeah.
1: Uh, clearly, it was a few years ago, uh, and we were talking before about teaching and training people and 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 you want to have on the other side people that really want to learn and It's quite hard when you have to deal with someone that doesn't want to learn and you just want to help them as much as possible, but sometimes you don't get there, I guess no. So. I, I, And if you don't want to get there, that's even worse. And when you don't want to be guided into the right direction, it's even worse. And they don't recognize those situations. That's even worse. So the first thing is recognizing, and and usually we we know that we cannot know everything. It's impossible that we can know everything. But that's the first thing, the first step of recognizing. When you think you are too clever for everything, that's that's a bad thing.
0: I've been really lucky. York has been exceptional. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I've had those sorts of problems to have to deal with firsthand, which is, yeah, fortunate. What about yourself, Tim?
2: You encounter similar? Um, personal uh, becoming a manager is is a different skill set than being a bench scientist. And it's funny, you know, as a as a PhD, you're trained in being a scientist and working at the bench and developing a hypothesis and all that. As you move in your career, you're going to, you know, you become a manager. And so now you have to manage people. You have to manage their expectations. You have to manage their education. You have to motivate them. Um, The hardest thing, I think, is actually the interview, finding the right person. I've always, you know, in in the staff that we've hired, we've not looked for somebody who has flow experience because that's what we can teach. It's finding those intangibles, uh, customer service, enthusiasm, you know, and and bringing them on board, and then then supporting them, and always being supportive of of their their goals, and checking in and saying, "What do you want to do? You know, is this going to be your career, or you want to? Is this a stepping stone?" And supporting that growth is, I think, the, the hallmark of a good manager. And when you have a situation like Alfonso, and I've had similar situations too, it just you know it devastates you because of the efforts that you put in, and it devastates you because you question, am I good at this? Is this, am I doing the right thing? So.
0: Yeah. So actually I'm just thinking about Alfonso and you sent me this picture and obviously (laughs) a very keen team player. Uh, player. And it is important to find the right gut instinct is sometimes the best thing to go on. Uh, You know, if they, if they've got the personality, they can often carry around the role, hopefully,
1: but not all. Alfonso, what's this picture of? So that was my last team and that was my last game playing handball, which is kind of indoor soccer. Uh, You play with the hands and you kick everyone, which is quite (laughs) funny because that's really a release of stress. In the picture, I'm in the corner, um, but I was in the middle in the defense. I was really bad um, trying to score, but I was really good uh, defending and I was uh, kind of controlling everyone, putting them into the right position and that was my last team because uh, after the picture we started to play and I have a really bad injury in the in the knee. I broke the tri, uh, triad. So the three ligaments were absolutely broken. Uh, so that was my end of the career of handball. Uh, and, but that was really successful story. Um, lots of friends, we're still meeting each other. Every time that we have an opportunity, we have a barbecue, lots of beers sharing stories like old guys. Oh, you remember when you kicked this guy? Oh yeah. The, he would end up in the hospital and things like that. So that's good. So. <laughs> There's a lot of mention of kicking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, where, where
0: did this come from then, Alphonse? it just this innate ability <laughs> to kick people. Kick people out <laughs> of your
1: lab, like you were just saying about it look, look, look at my hands. So when I'm saying to my users, don't do that, or I will kill you, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you have this poster
0: around on your labs
1: and your flow labs. I look. <laughs> so that was before handball. I was practicing football. I was not good at football, and then I moved into taekwondo. That was a new a new sport in my school, and I started. I was really good in, in uh, taekwondo. I arrived to the green belt, and I was uh, getting ready for fights in the for the Olympics, um, Barcelona '92. And I have another injury um, in the in the knee. They told me that I have to stop. Um, practicing Taekwondo and at the end was a wrong decision because I should be keep going and reinforcing even more the leg but I uh, I was uh, too late for coming back.
0: I've noticed you get very good at sports that not maybe not very many people play Sensational <laughs> uh. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, so seriously, I know there's some highlights What? I asked you the difficult question about the most challenging time. What's been some of the highlights of your careers? Uh, I uh, yeah, Back to Tim on this one. What are your highlights of your career?
2: I think I have to say, you know, the biggest highlight was when I, the transition from postdoc to uh, a faculty where I became a, the director of a core facility. I was hired by this uh, recruit at the university who was starting a small core um, at the time. And the job was, support the five or six labs that were there and then the rest of your time was free and so I had plenty of time to really play and get into the guts of the technology and get into the guts of what was going on and just really enjoy this opportunity to to work with people and get them to a point where that they could then go off and finish it so kind of that first explorer discovery and then okay here you go finish the work now here's the protocol um, so that was probably I think my you know my favorite you know five six years yeah. How long? Yeah. About five years I was in that position.
0: That's, uh, and what was your first cytometer
2: then? Uh, as a postdoc, I, I before uh, you know, becoming a postdoc, I was a plant biochemist, molecular biologist. So I had heard of flow cytometers because uh, a colleague of mine was a marine biologist and they took one on a ship, um, but we never had one. Uh, I moved into uh, B-cell development because there were no jobs for plant bio- biologists at the time. And... Uh, worked on the, on a three color effects caliber. And it was like this, it was my star Trek tricorders. I always tell people I put cells in, I got these beautiful answers out and I, for, for the five years of the postdoc i did everything by flow cytometry.
0: Yeah. But, but, but that, that, that insinuates, it was all just science fiction coming out of me. It.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that at times, but you know, there's a little bit of science fact in there too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 my first was a caliber as well. Four letter. Four color, oh, get us. When we
2: got our four color, when we got the second laser, I was over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Look what I can do.
0: Yeah, that, that, that was a beautiful, uh, yeah. Always fond of the first system. What about yourself, Alfonso? Uh,
1: start with, what was your first cytometer? My first cytometer was uh, a big monster. It was a Epic Elite, and it was a sorter. And the chair was super comfortable for Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, it was in a botany uh, department, and I just heard about it because uh, I was in when I was um, doing my degree the last um, on the last year I had to do a uh, like a job for getting points and things like that it was polyploidy in plants, and the teacher told me that the the university has bought uh, that machine that has lasers and and computers, and I was like, "Oh wow, cool, I want to go there." <laughs> I, I was not botanist, and I was not really into the plants, but just the lasers and, and the computers called my attention. So when I arrived and I saw all these things and, and touchable screen, uh, I, I just fell in love with, it, with that. And, and that was my first instrument. And what's been your favorite instrument over all your career? Uh, my favorite one was the cyan, to be honest. And there were quite a few things that I really loved uh, on the cyan. And I still, in fact, I still have two of them here. Um, Last one got two, and they're fantastic. At the time, were so robust and so fast, so easy to use. The software, I love the software. And, and the fact is, uh, I was doing a lot of teaching and training with the software, yeah. even with uh, data from another computers. I, I just love science.
0: Yeah, I think the Moflow legacy has a lot to go with. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it would scare most people now. That—that <laughs> that was, I, you were just a one with a legacy. You—you just—you just felt it, breathed it. it. It was just an extension of you, literally. It just it was like a growth to you on your hands. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I haven't lost any Saians yet, so I haven't had to say goodbye to them. No. Uh, yeah, the legacy was, a, was sad to see that one go for us. So what's been the highlight of your career, Alfonso? You've, I've heard about your low time, and that, uh, I heard that just how stressful that was. So you could feel it in how you were expressing it. So what about the highlights? Highlights?
1: Too many. Um, I've got some, look, in the side of my head. Oh, no, actually, no, just <laughs> right. it's not really the highlights. <laughs> so There are quite a few things. Uh, if I have to pick up one, it's, it's quite difficult. Um, but I would say one is a share highlight with with Barry Moran. Um, we organized here the uh, ESCA meeting back in 2011, and was a very successful meeting. Um, we made lots of friends. Uh, was quite risky because we we hired, um a center, the conference center of Dublin was um, still under construction when we uh, we decided to go for it, and <laughs> the construction is not the. F- best things on times in Ireland, <laughs> but we met the bets, and, and we were quite successful there. And and it was really a big effort between Barry and I to put together that. But also on at that time, there was something that we tried to put together and it was quite challenging. And it was the first uh, sorting uh, course with 14 different instruments on site without being on site. And now it's back into place because we are we were doing that sorting course remotely. So that was with John Tiggs, Basilis, um, Rick Garner, John Daly, uh, Barry Moran, and myself, uh, and was with Mark Cheaton as well. And we put that course together and we connected 14 different sites to train 32 people in a very small room. That was again a big challenge and when we finished and we not even when we finished, when we ran the course, it was so fantastic, the feeling. So it was definitely one of the best situations I've ever been
0: So, works obviously has its highs, it has its lows. Uh, yeah, yeah. Usually long hours, I've got to say. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. we both appreciate that one. What do you do outside of work to uh, take your mind off work? What's your other focus? So Alfonso, I'll start with you on this one.
1: First, family. I enjoy a lot of the kids, and uh, playing around with them. Uh, The other thing that I really love is traveling. I entertain traveling, looking at sites, um, walking around places. Uh, And I don't care if it's a city or if it's nature. Uh, And if I can do it with the family, it's even better. If not, I'll go alone. (laughs) There you go. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to do PhD in Botany, because that will allow me to go as well outside the lab to go outside climbing mountains or walking around and trying to pick up the plants for your analysis. That was also quite funny. So that was really the compliment for my, my job. I wanted to be in the lab. I wanted to be in the nature. I wanted to walk around. I don't want to be supervised all the time and stuck into some timing. So I, I found the perfect balance in doing these things. And this was, in the north of Spain, Somiedo, <laughs> where I have to pick up those plants. My ferns isolate each one of them and classify them. So we, we, we use them. If you see them, they're ferns. There are not many characteristics around them, but they have different DNA contents. So they go for 222 pairs of chromosomes. So counting them was difficult and that's why flow cytometry ended up so I was doing flow cytometry of each one of them to quantify the amount of DNA on the plants. And that was my, my beginning of, of cytometry. With those little ones, I had to um, water every single day, make sure that they don't have any, any worms eating them. And it was quite funny with my father because I told him that I have to go to the greenhouse. When he brought me to the greenhouse, he thought he loved flowers. He thought that it would be full of flowers and we have ferns and grass. So he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a greenhouse. Yeah, that's what I'm working. You will not end up anywhere <laughs> with this. Like I said, I, I think
0: the picture is just fairly typical. It feels sometimes when I go to conferences, I just have Alfonso on my shoulder, constantly talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's mostly family. Uh, any other activities out of work? No, not really. So I just, yeah, I get that. And uh, Tim, what about yourself? I, I I
2: think, were you a farmer once? I'm <laughs> <laughs> a farmer wannabe. The, uh, that was one of my first houses. We had about a half an acre of property, and I've got an right. acre now. And I'm not the best green slum, even though I grew plants. And my plants were water ferns, so I didn't have to water them like Alfonso did. Um, <laughs> but this is funny because for I don't even remember why I shaved off my beard And my kids, when they saw me for the first time, didn't know who I was. They were scared. So (laughs) never again.
0: Uh, Actually, I remember my dad always had a beard and he shaved that off. It was very weird. Very strange. Yeah, you you don't know. As a child, it it, it confuses you a lot. Uh, But yeah, parents, why do they do things like that to us? (laughs) I I have no idea. What else, Tim, what else outside of work do you do?
2: Um, like Alfonso. I like to travel. Um, uh, we do a lot of, we try to do a lot of stuff locally. Uh, I'm a, i am like to cook. I like to barbecue um, taught my, I like to teach, you know, be with my kids and teach them uh, still active involved in, in the Boy Scouts with my son's troop. And I've been a brewer on and off for about 20 years uh, as well. Uh, when the mood strikes me, I haven't, you know, I've, I've done meads, I've done ciders, I'm in apple country in New York, so it's always great to get fresh pressed apples and make cider and, of course, beer. My favorite times is we'd homeschooled our, our children in the U.S., um, and as a science project, I taught my son how to brew, because it was aseptic technique, it was microbiology, and it was great, because I had to drink the results for him. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> So this is your son, is that correct? That's my youngest son. Uh, that's Nathan. Took him to uh, England last year for the first time, uh, visit a friend of mine. We just got off the uh, red eye uh, in the taxi, getting to the hotel, and shortly thereafter, we were downtown London, hitting the eye, going over to the, uh, the various sites for a couple of days, including they have a Jack the Ripper tour, which was interesting to uh, walk the streets where, uh, where that, those crimes were committed but it was also it was extremely hot too it was like uh, you had the heat wave last year that that you had so it was 95 degrees and you're walking through you know a city which is hot anyway because yeah. of all the pavement um <clears throat> uh, what time of year was that it was end of august last yeah, year okay
0: yeah it, it, last summer was our hottest for a
2: long time yeah we eventually made it down to uh, the bournemouth area and uh my son's into uh, military, so we went to the tank museum down there, and he had an absolute blast.
0: Ah, oh, I'm trying to think. what the tank museum's called down there. Ah, oh, can you remember
2: what it's called? I, I, I was the tank museum. I, I just, it's, it's oh, in. The, no, uh, I need
0: my son to come in and tell me. Yeah, <laughs> we've been there. It's a, it's
2: yeah. a museum as well. Yeah, they, you know, he was excited to be able to see, you know, the the first tanks and stuff, and. This uh, this year in his schooling, they studied uh, World War One, World War II, and he just you know was really uh, had a lot of additional facts to provide to the class and yeah. stuff. So,
0: yeah, it's amazing. It's full of tanks. Yes, and you go as well, <laughs> including the demonstrations. I actually have them yes. running as well. Very true. Yeah, <laughs> just going to again back to the day job for a <laughs> minute. Uh, we've heard about challenging times. We've heard how you got into. Flow cytometry itself. How did you find core management? Because how long have you both been running a core facility? <laughs> so, Alfonso, how long have you been running a core?
1: It was 16 years, one month, three days.
0: <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> I'm still counting down to retirement. I count down to retirement until just a day up from
1: the day. <laughs> no, I have to say it's a hobby more than a job, um, and, and that's what makes it nicer for me. Um, it and was, it was quite funny because I was in my PhD, it was a long PhD uh, it was almost nine years in PhD and then uh, master degree. Uh, and at the end of that period of time, I was in France, in Paris. And I had a supervisor there uh, in Paris Six, Sonia Silvia-Jakov Lev. And after three months there, she told me, look Alfonso, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, sure. Look, you are not a good scientist what? <laughs> you will never be a good scientist. You're not, you, you cannot be a researcher. I so, said, uh, nine years of PhD. Come on, what are you talking? Oh, you're a good technician. I said, no, no, I'm not a technician. I <laughs> I cannot be a technician. No, but you, you know, because I look at you, you're going all around, looking at everyone, what they are doing, how they are doing. You're helping them with imaging, chopping things. And you want to learn how to do it and then improve them. And, and these are a kind of job that you could be good at. I would like, yeah, but still a technician. No, but they have good jobs. They have permanence. Uh, they are well-paid. I say, oh, wow. Now we are talking. <laughs> <laughs> now we are talking. As, as uh, Tim said, uh, after that period of time when you're writing the thesis, and I was isolated as well and writing my, my PhD, I was thinking on what he said. I said, at the end of the day, I want a job. I, I, science is good, but I want a job and, and I applied for a job and, and I remember my first uh, position kind of a core manager. I applied for that one in Southampton in uh, marine biology and I went to the interview. <laughs> it was the worst interview ever. <laughs> if you think on, on the movie, um, what's the name? Uh, Billy Elliot, the yep. guy that wants to be a dancer. I want to be a dancer, a ballet dancer. But <laughs> with flow cytometry, they want to put someone in a submarine, shipping them all around the world, every single ocean. That's that's exactly what I want. This this kind of matching, what I told you before, right? So that that was a dream, uh, and that dream didn't come through because I couldn't dance. <laughs> so I was just absolutely blocked. As soon as they said, "You have 30 minutes for a question," turn on the, the timer. I couldn't even talk. I was just blocked, absolutely blocked. I was here in Dublin, changed completely the, the style. I was far more relaxed, and I started here. I'm so gobsmacked that
0: something actually made you quiet, Alfonso. That, that I, Tim will back me up here. You have a reputation never stopping.
2: <laughs> very, very true.
0: <laughs> that, that I've got to say, whoever it was who interviewed you, I want to know who they are and find out exactly what they said
1: to stop you talking. <laughs> they stopped me talking. It was quite intimidating. You, you have the light here, dark room, three guys on the back, I'm Professor Whatever, Professor Whatever. And you have 30 minutes. This is the job description, blah, blah, blah. And you have 30 minutes for questioning. And we will ask you 30 minutes. And the time is starting now. Zoom, zoom. Suddenly, it was like oh, oh, everything was just erased from my mind. I have no idea how they did it.
0: Please
1: well, <laughs> stop. Brilliant.
0: I'm, I'm full of admiration. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what about you? People. How
2: long have you been in the core business? I've been in the core since uh, 2003, so 17 years. Um, again, at the end of my postdoc, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wasn't going to be a traditional scientist, much like Alfonso. Um, I'm like discovering things. I like improving things. But as we preach about all these additional experiments and confirmation, I'm not as good at that. I, I, I'm, uh, I like to explore. And so I started exploring the options of, of joining the core facility when this, uh, this guy got hired at university and hired me and basically turned me loose uh, from that, uh, in two thousand and eight, I took over the course here at uh, the, the flow core at the university um, and in two thousand and twelve i've uh, since two thousand and twelve i 've been running all of, overseeing all of the major facilities here at the university so I have seven core facilities that report to me yeah.
0: That, that's yeah it 's similar here but, so what are those core facilities? give them a go on, give them a shout out
2: so i 've got a genomics facility we 've got a, uh, a, a uh, confocal, uh, facility. We've got a multiphoton facility, uh, an EM facility and a proteomics. Um, who else am I missing? Uh, flow obviously can't forget yeah. flow. Um, <laughs> and you know, we've, we've recently, we have recently, uh, transitioned our, uh, our, we'll call our mass genome editing our, our uh, transgenic core is undergoing some transition at the moment. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's going up that ladder of, of finding how to administrate it uh, and be a, be a businessman, Um, you know, in a, in an organization where you're a nonprofit and having all those pressures. I mean, I'm fortunate. My growing up, my father uh, worked for uh, Xerox. and was a a senior executive there. So back in the eighties, I was reading all the books he was, you know, everything from the book of the five rings and the art of war, which I still haven't figured out how that applies to business, but, that was the big thing in the 80s in, in U.S. Uh, business culture.
0: Uh, actually, uh, that, that brings me to uh, some quick-fire questions, if you don't mind. Fair enough. Okay. So, <laughs> Tim, I'm going to start with you on this. Okay, so, okay. so, so very quick answers. Tidy or messy? Uh, messy. Tea or coffee? Yes. Tea <laughs> <laughs> or wine? Uh, beer. Yeah, you can't say yes on that one. <laughs> savory. Savory. But savory. I want to be... Well, that's obvious because obviously in America, you don't really do great
2: chocolate, do you? But- <laughs> um, again, it depends. I like both. Okay, well, you've got to choose one. Okay, well, if we have got to choose one book. Okay, what are you reading at the moment? Um, no, it's not a quickfire. <laughs> no, right now I'm uh, reading a, uh, a book about negotiations or rereading a book about negotiations, uh, getting- fact, Factual books rather than fiction? A mixture of both, a lot of, a lot of science fiction, a lot of, uh, you know, I, I went through a Tom Clancy phase recently, I uh, rereading some of Tom Clancy's books, but um, I just finished an MBA, so I spent a lot, you know, two and a half years reading nothing but, you know, business books and, you know, going back to refining and, and uh, improving my leadership skills, which have been invaluable in this, this whole COVID crisis.
0: Okay. So so actually, those books do sound a bit like a mix of fact and fiction themselves.
2: <laughs> That's very true. They are.
0: <laughs> Alfonso, are you ready? Ready. Yeah, some quick fires. Eat in, eat out. Eat in.
1: Cook or wash up? Cook. Is that because your wife cook. can't cook? My wife cooks really well. <laughs> so she doesn't allow me to cook, so I have I to not, watch out. I was going to get you <laughs> into trouble. Uh, <laughs> you beach bum or your
0: first sightseeing? Say again? Beach bum or sightseeing when you go on holiday? Sightseeing. Sorry? Sightseeing. Sightseeing. Yeah. Home or being at work? Home. That's a lucky answer as well. You'd have got in trouble for that. Yeah. Island or Spain? Spain.
1: Oh... <laughs> You see are going to fire you tomorrow, Alfonso. I know. <laughs> Spain is Spain. It's in the blood. I cannot deny it. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the things we are running here is the Spanish Research Society in Ireland. Um, so it's trying to create links between Ireland and, and Spain.
0: Yeah.
1: It's trying to make a bridge uh, in many different aspects. And one of them, for instance, is trying to learn what, we, what Ireland has really good and trying to bring that into into Spain, so we are uh, making some kind of connections with the government. They are asking us uh, for our feedback around research, but also we are trying to bring things that we we have here, uh, we have in Spain back into Ireland. And one of them is of course education and bringing new students in, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm divided. In fact, you can see uh, quite a few of my pictures with a double flag, Ireland and Spain, and. and it's funny because sometimes I speak, we, the Irish, are doing this thing. And on the other side, I'm saying I'm a Spanish. So After 16 years, I feel quite Irish.
0: It's, I it's always quite, felt
1: quite Irish. It's
0: quite a big cultural change uh, coming weird. over to Ireland. Uh, how, how
1: did you find that? It's not difficult because the Irish are quite, quite Celtic and Galicia is Celtic. And in fact, we are the Celts. <laughs> Uh, The Celts were were the first habitants here in in Ireland. So the the way of doing things of the Irish is is quite uh, Galician. I mentioned before the way we talk in Galicia, talking like that is kind of Irish. (laughs) 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 So from that point of view, even when you ask anyone in Spain um, how a, a Galician person answer a question, they never answer. They answer the question with a question if so you say are you going up or down and you are you coming up or down <laughs> so that's the same here how are you what are you <laughs> <laughs> so it's not difficult to adapt uh, there are differences of course there are differences well i feel half and half
0: so any advice obviously when you come out to a phd one of the big questions you have is shall i go abroad and st- do my postdoc or shall i stay in the uk yeah stay in the home country yeah and there's a lot of pressure i think going overseas really boosts your CV if you're successful when you come back. Uh, obviously, you don't have to. I, I certainly didn't. Uh, I had the offer and then York job came up and that was more attractive. Yeah. Uh, so, were you not afraid or scared or
1: worried? or? I was. <laughs> of course I was. Um, I remember there was not so much internet. So, I have no clue how Ireland looked like. I arrived to the interview, get the, the bus to bring, to bring me to UCD and take the interview. Uh, they gave me the position on the same day, which is kind of shocking. Uh, I thought that I was forgotten something. Could you come back? What I've lost. <laughs> so, and then I came back and the only thing they gave me was a list of telephone numbers and um, for finding a location. So I arrived to the airport with the luggage and a list of telephone numbers for where to stay. So it was kind of scary because I was not quite sure what I will face. Uh, Nowadays, I will really encourage everyone to go. It's quite simple. And especially now with the Spanish societies like we have, we have 18 different societies, uh, internet, Facebook, everyone is helping everyone to move. And they are telling you all the tricks and tips to move, accommodate, how you have to do with the administration and that's something that I was really missing when I moved here. So um, now society's embassies. Now I'm wor- working and dealing with them. They're extremely helpful. Um, you think, okay, I'll go there when, when I lose my, my passport. Uh, to be honest, there's a lot of work behind the embassies. And I really recommend people, if they're moving away or they're going abroad, the first person to talk is the embassy. And they will provide you huge, huge amount of information. I think just moving aside from that a little bit part
0: of that success is the fact that you found and developed a network
1: yeah to
0: support and I think in our careers whether it's academic or going into the core side of the business of the shared resource type side of business networks are vital if you really want to succeed I think I think they're very influential and turning over to Tim now actually you have a online resource yeah, that's true. hugely useful for looking at reviews, and that draws on that network to bring in those reviews, bring in those comments. The teaching you use a network of tutors. Absolutely. That that
2: that took something to actually set up and get running. So tell us more about that. Um, I mean, back to your point about networks. I think in the field of flow uh, the 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 community is is very open. You know, very very easy to work with. Very, uh, you know. Wants to share, uh, which was different from some of the other societies I've been to, and so that really helped me build my network. I remember going to my first um, course, the the course uh, in uh, Bowdoin, Maine, and everyone found out I was from Rochester. So they're asking, "Do you know Leon Wheelis? Do you know this person?" I'm like, "Well, no," but I found, I met Leon, you know after the fact, and it was just the the community was so tight in, It really helped, and then um, within you know building expert cytometry. Uh, Already having a network of people like Alfonso, like Rui, um, in 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 Europe, and having built connections over overseas as well as in the U.S. really helped pull that those people together to help you know start the the process, and then it just also keep me uh, honest. I would have to say about you know kind of the education, the training, sure. making sure it's as high quality as it can be, and we're not you know things are things are being. Uh, Taking the best practices and and as things change, you know, going back to talking about those and so experts at how much she's really grown with the online presence and um, also with face to face courses and we've uh, we've done some great ones with uh, Alfonso and Europe uh, and you know ones in the U.S. I mean we're we're working on organizing one in Poland which is going to be very interesting if yeah. we can pull it off uh, in hopefully next. Hopefully when people can start to travel again. <laughs> not sure when that will be. I mean, especially since Europe is going to ban Americans from coming over to, uh, you know, rightly so. Don't get me wrong. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to
0: do with COVID. No, just. No, not at all. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Never, ever. Don't. Uh, it's a, how do you juggle all of that? with the? Come on. You, you're running your own core facility. You are directing. The, 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 the gamut of core mm-hmm. biological life sciences, and you have this business on the side as well.
2: How? <laughs> 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 Organization. It's, it's really a matter of um, oh, good having, And You did the MBA as well. You did the, the other oh. course as well. Jeez. So, so, so the, the quick story about the MBA is my wife died three years ago from cancer and trying to find something to fill that, fill some of that time. I either... I had an offer to learn how to play the jazz saxophone or take the MBA. The guy with the jazz sax never called me back, so I, you know, never learned that. So I took the MBA, and, and, you know, at my stage in the career, being, being in core facilities for 20 years and having experience, it wasn't like I needed it, but I, I really learned a new way to think about things. And I think it's important for everybody to explore um, that thinking. But it becomes, it, it becomes an organizational challenge to run multiple facilities and with it and with the university the first step was getting um i'm a big fan of jim collins in uh, one of his books good to great he talks about getting the right people on the bus so i've got phenomenal people running each of the individual facilities and so they don't need me to oversee them every minute of every day and i set kind of the overall goal with them and they they run it and that gives me time especially at night you know to to work on on other things
0: that that's that's great. I, I have to press pause a minute, guys. Just just, just wait a minute. I think my neighbour's car's just been stolen off their drive. I'm, I'm not joking. Just bear with me. While, just, just, actually, while I'm running off, Tim, can you. Uh, oh, it's surreal. This is the most surreal moment I think I've ever encountered. Oh my, I've, I've got to bring it in really quickly. Uh, can you talk about your favorite publication, Tim? If you tell Alfonso about it, I will be back.
2: I will just delegate this job. Okay.
0: <laughs> talk about your favorite publication. I'll be back. Go
2: on, go, for it. go for it. That's a the, your favorite publication is always tough. I think the one that I liked the most was this paper that I uh, uh, was you know a co-author on with uh, this guy Jim Palace's, uh group, and it was called the Ontology of Erythroid Gene Expression, and. They were trying to build an atlas of the different, uh, of the expression of different, um, in, in, in different phases of the red blood cell. What was interesting about it that I liked is it was a challenge to identify and sort cells because most of the stuff we do is lymphocytes and they behave in a certain way. Red blood cells don't behave at all like that. We had to develop uh, new sheath fluids, we had, to, we had to optimize the catch conditions. Uh, we had to come up with ways to see red blood cells because there wasn't a lot to do. So we really, you know, going through a lot of work to develop those processes. And it was kind of, you know, really in the weeds, kind of fun. And it ended up in a what I think was a great publication uh, from, you know, with, the, with the, the the gene work that came out of that. Okay.
0: And Alfonso, what about yourself? What's your favorite publication? <laughs> While <Well, laughs> he was
1: talking, I was thinking about that question. <laughs> I, My favorite one, no doubt, is the calcium. Mm. We were talking about calcium flux in a continuous way. It's not because of the paper. I will not say the paper is a huge quality or anything like that, it's the history behind it. And it's because um, there's the acry on the back of that one. And and that's my second funniest uh, toy because of the history behind the aquarium, And it's when I arrived to CYTO meeting, and I was talking um, with the crowd in, in Aquary that build up this little saying that that was a flow cytometer. And, and you can close your eyes, push the button, and suddenly you run everything. And, and I couldn't believe it. And there was a beta test. Uh, they sent me the machine for beta testing. And during the first bit, uh, three months, I found out that application of, of being able to analyze and put things inside the tube and run them without stopping them in continuous. So I asked for an extension of that time and working with the equity team at that time was fantastic. Because you asked a question and the engineer got it and they have implemented. And you ask a question to Leo or, or Kate and suddenly <laughs> everyone was on board and your, your answer was, uh, just there. And suddenly on the following day you have a software development. Was a fantastic period of time, especially because I learned a lot from the company, how the companies move. And working with that kind of people, I really enjoy. And of course with the with the crowd here in UCD preparing the samples and excitement. We have uh, an amazing sample that we were running and exploding all the glial cells. And I couldn't believe what was was a (laughs) drug that made them exploding. And that was a, a real drug, um, was ecstasies, Ecstasy that were given to the glial <laughs> cells, ecstasies, and the cells were like blasting. <laughs> so all the history behind that paper is what makes that paper special.
0: I think, I think that's a really good point, the fact that it isn't the highest impact in paper sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just something special about a bit of work that, yeah, it's just that and that's that contribution to it. I, I remember that work, and I remember you doing it at the time as well. Yeah. remember phone calls with you about it and looking at some of the data early on and saying <laughs> you're nuts, but anyway. <laughs> Before we finish off, I have a couple of questions. What are the, do you think, the greatest unmet needs? Where where do we need to see flow cytometry going in the future? I'm going to let, what are you begin first for that one?
2: I think it's... Uh... We're in a, in a renaissance with new fluorochromes coming out, new ways to analyze data, um, new ways to, to trigger and, and, and explore cells, and um, I think better understanding of these automated techniques is important because a lot of people use them, but they don't understand what they're getting out. Um, Ryan Brinkman and, and, and folks like that are doing a really good job of trying to explain it, but the average person doesn't understand it. They just want, I want a Tisney plot of this or whatever. Um, but, you know, really the, you know, the the development of new fluorochromes, and there's a big emphasis on things to be coupled to to, to proteins, uh, you know, antibodies. But we're missing the the time when molecular probes under Rich Hoagland was just developing fluorochromes and fluorescent tar- protein. Uh, compounds and they didn't know what to do with them but that's how we got calcium flux that's how we've got you know reactive oxygen measurements mdbr we're not seeing a push to understand that internal you know development anymore and i'd love to see some more probes being built up around other biological processes that we can we can refine
0: okay and alfonso <laughs> Tim's just giving you some really good buying time there, all just completely blowing you out of the water with some really good words.
1: <laughs> they're, they're really, um, and Tim knows quite well this, and, and you as well, because you're always putting the flow on the top, right? Uh, on this scheme where you have genomics and proteomics, and imaging and all the kind of imaging and we can see all these imaging and the rhapsody or the 10x genomics coming with single cell genomics and the spatial distribution that they have on the on the tissue and you can see all the site of the technology coming up with the hyperion on the back again with tissue distribution i think this is what we are missing in flow cytometry but on the other side is the speed what we we have in our favor uh, let's say that way um, so we have imaging on the other side with imaging flow cytometry with the amnes. We are missing the sorting on that side. Uh, We are missing um, a lot of these, uh, as uh, Tim was saying, the the possibility of analyzing all of these together in a quick way, in a visual way. So a lot of this is going into all these these tools to visualize, to understand what what is happening. To see that I have a dye and it's coming here exactly where and how it's interacting. On the other side, um, all these interactions with the nanoparticles, with the EVs. The EVs is is an area that is still growing up. A lot of technology for sure will be developed very soon in in that direction, kind of flow cytometry side with new new tools, new markers to try to identify them with a smaller size microfluidics, not nano, (laughs) ultra nano (laughs) fluidics coming up. Uh, to try to to look at them to sort them as well to, to be able to do a good characterization of them um, because at the moment we are limiting in 20 who knows if there's something else even smaller than 20 sending things from one side to another because we were talking about hormones a few years ago and they are the, the principal messengers now we are talking about the the evs as one of the messengers or main messengers so seeing all of that interaction is where we are we are moving and again trying to put all this information together a pipeline of all that information together that's where the challenge is all the artificial intelligence and i think from what both
0: of you have said the biggest challenge may actually be in the analysis of all this Mm
2: -hmm. the amount of data that's being generated i mean alfonso Mm -hmm. was saying it with all the imaging technologies coming out um you know when you can analyze on the Hyperion, you know, thirty different, you know, markers in a spatially defined manner. How do you put that together?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, we, we're fighting that at the moment with the nanostring DSP. Uh, that, that's quite a simple approach, but forty colors now going up into the thousands of RNA transcripts with spatial resolution. You still have to be asking the question and finding the answer, rather than maybe trying to find what answers are in there. Yeah, I, I, we've got a long way to go, I think. Which is why it's so exciting, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Tim Alfonso, you've been great fun, really great fun. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, well, thank you. It's Appreciate a good it. pleasure talking yes, with both of you. you.
1: Always.